0: Of the antithesis of dynasty, the one-eight stand of fantasy football. Yeah, he definitely doesn't go dirt cheap if you get me. Uh,
1: <laughs> now it's time for the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast, the official podcast of the Super Friends League. that boy, good.
2: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Steven Bautista. Alongside me, as always, the Commission Tommy Mo. So today, we're bringing you our third installment of our mini-pod series on positional rankings and draft strategies to get you primed and ready to go for your fantasy football drafts. Today, we're going to discuss Titan rankings and best ball draft strategy with our friends from the North, Trav and Ty from the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, guys? Living the dream. Thanks for, thanks for having up. us, thanks guys. Thanks for
3: having us.
1: Yeah, man, it's good to talk to you guys after interacting with you so much on Twitter and seeing you guys grow and good to hear your first podcast, too, dropping earlier today. Yeah, I think, uh, you
3: know, the Twitter interaction has kind of built the confidence to just go out and do it. So, you know, we appreciate people like
2: yourselves who taking the time and helped us out. All right, cool, guys. So today what we're going to start off with is our top 10 tight end rankings. Um, We're also going to give you guys during that um, a little bit of best ball draft strategy. Uh, We'll go over some uh, players that are maybe possibly going to fall out of the top 10, but you'll still want to target later drafts because we think they're going to have really good upside. And for um, some of you guys, maybe you're not familiar with what best ball leagues are. I'm going to give it up to uh, Ty, and he's going to give us kind of a quick uh, description of what it is.
0: Yeah, sure, man. I like describing best ball as kind of the antithesis of dynasty (laughs) or to steal a phrase from at Todd from PA, the one night stand of fantasy football. But yeah, basically best ball just caters to everyone's favorite part of fantasy draft and go. There's no trades, no waivers. There's zero in season management. And once you draft your team, you literally don't touch it afterwards, except of course, to check back on your teams and do the math and see how exactly fat that cash out is going (laughs) to (laughs) be.
2: Exactly. Also with that, um, so just to give you guys a quick idea, say you draft four running backs, what the computer's going to do is they're going to take the top two scores of those running backs and put them in, plug them in, and you're going to go against the others team. And whoever has top score that week wins. So super simple. I like it too for people like myself who are really busy and I'm in my redraft league, you know, my, the one I put, pay all my attention to a lot of times, I'll do a best ball league and just kind of let it sit there. And, you know, I can be in multiple leagues at the same time, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, and to get deep on you guys for a second, I just think best ball is like the easiest form of fantasy football. I just wish more people would maybe hop into best balls as opposed to uh, some complicated formats like DFS. and Yeah. It's so easy to just throw a small amount of money in there and bang out a draft, whether it's a slow clock or one of the fast drafts or whatever.
2: Yeah, definitely. You, Tommy, do you want to start the number one and then we'll go from there?
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, number one, I feel like is the consensus number one all the way around. I mean, I, I haven't seen anyone uh, that has that doesn't have Kelsey as number one. So who do you guys have as number one? We got, we got Kelsey as number one. And
3: we have him in a tier of his own as well. I think he's pretty much a lock for 120 plus targets. And Tyree
1: coming back doesn't really bother me. So it's pretty clearly Kelsey. Yeah, and, and looking at how he finished last year, I mean, He's pretty much a wide receiver one, you know, and and, uh, early on, you're trying to go for those running back ones, those wide receiver ones. But at this point, I just see Kelsey coming up more and more because especially looking at last year of how bad and how volatile that tight end position was, I'm almost looking at him as an
2: early second round pick at this point. I don't think I'd be mad about a third round pick for that. I think that'd be a great pick. I I find it hard a little bit uh, at number two, just depending on who's there. But he's definitely better than a wide receiver, too. You know, so, I mean, he's right, almost borderline wide receiver one, like you were saying. So, yeah, I think between two and three, I think two's a little bit reaching depending on what's on the board. But maybe if you're on the end of the second round, you know, on a snake style uh, draft, you know, it's Kelsey at number, uh, uh, what, 20. And then you got the 21st pick. So you could have a, the choice there, too.
1: Well, unless, uh, you know, you're in some crazy tight end premium league like uh, Scott Fishbowl and, you know, you getting extra points for for tight ends. Um you know, Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Steve. I think that's where you should go, but I just have this feeling, especially in our home league,
2: that he's going to go first round or second round in a lot of people's drafts. Are you guys afraid yeah, of any um, kind of regression, though, from Patrick Mahomes maybe this year in that Chiefs offense? Because, I mean, they went lights out last year. I think Kelsey's pretty steady, though. Um, Ty and I
3: were talking about him probably a couple weeks ago, and I think the last couple years he's finished – he would have finished as a top 10 receiver if he was at that position. So he's pretty locked in and I go probably middle second for him. And then if it's a tight end premium, I'm going like probably seventh or eighth pick.
2: Oh, wow. Cool. That yeah, makes sense.
0: I think North and border were a little higher for sure. I mean, especially when you factor in ADP towards his finishes at wide receiver comparable, it's uh he gives you the same advantage that a Gronkowski was giving us for years, but his ADP doesn't necessarily reflect that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you factor in durability and yeah, I'm down.
1: Is there a conversion for Canadian points in fantasy, like from American to Canadian, or is it the same? It's no, the same you probably right
0: get way I, I recognize that it would be a downgrade for sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, it'd be a half point for us to a full point for you guys or something. We're not okay. down for that.
2: Okay, that But we sense. could
0: spend it more ethically, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> very cool. So who do you have for number two then?
0: Yeah, we got George Kittle over Zach Ertz at number two. What do you guys think?
1: I like that one for for redraft uh, especially. You know, as good as 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 good as Ertz is, especially in PPR leagues. And and to remind all the listeners out there, these are definitely PPR redraft rankings. So guys that were going to get those extra points for catches and are going to produce this year. But even though Ertz is a a PPR god I just think Kittle uh, with Jimmy G coming back and as good as he was last year even if there's a slight regression I mean I think that's still the play and Kittle's gonna eat yeah I think
3: both Kittle and Ertz are probably gonna regress this year Ertz didn't have the best metrics like yards per route run and deep targets and stuff so I'm kind of fading Ertz a little bit even as an Eagles fan and when I say fading that's as low as three so it's not huge fade But I think Kittle regression will still mean a top two tight end finish.
0: I think Kittle's biggest regression might come in the way of touchdowns. Actually, he came up on a lot of those regression uh, articles you read when it comes to positive regression for touchdowns. And not unlike Ezekiel Elliott, he's like right at the top of that list when you look at any when you look at any of them.
1: Yeah, I think that's my favorite buzzword, right? Positive regression. Um. Totally, yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: the funny thing is we're going to see regression when it comes to volume and production from all three of those top tight ends. There's almost no doubt about it, especially those uh, the Kittle and Ertz category when it comes to an influx of talent in their offenses.
1: Right. Right. So is is
2: Ertz number three for you guys because
1: he's number three for us? Yeah, he is, yeah.
2: (laughs) How do you think uh, Wentz is going to come back this year? You think that'll, uh, I mean, he's obviously that's his number one target, but I remember last year, a lot of people were complaining that he was looking to him too much. You think he tries to spread the ball a little bit more, especially with Deshaun Jackson being back now kind of a better deep threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm loving Deshaun Jackson this year. I think he's going to fit with Carson Wentz's style pretty well.
3: Just the scrambling deep balls where yep. he gets out exactly. from the pile and he just guns it deep and d is wide open walking backwards into the end zone.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, I think even if Carson Wentz spreads it around I think his stats will be good I just think the pieces around him will probably be so spread out that I don't think they're really going to have anybody upper echelon aside from Ertz
0: but at any sign of adversity he definitely will start looking towards Ertz but there is a lot of people who are going to eat in the same area of field in Philadelphia in my opinion when especially when you look at uh Miles Sanders and uh even Darren Sproles for the love of God coming back
1: I know it's crazy too many people in that backfield
0: and then you got Jay Jaw and Jeffrey and all these guys and Goddard in the red zone. It's it's tough.
1: Uh and yes, I believe it's uh go dirt now. Um, yeah. I coined that on Twitter. Uh but it's yeah, go
0: dirt pretty soon. <laughs> but but it's, speaking act- of go it's dirt, actually
1: go dirte. Oh, go de- uh, don't try okay, maybe up north because you guys go try down. to like fancy it up. Don't yeah. try to fancy it up with a dirte.
3: Right, the French one. We gotta go
1: French. Go dare. <laughs> go dare, uh, but but is there? Do you guys have any concern with Godur? Because in, in a few of the dynasty leagues I've been in, people are super high uh, on dirt just because you know they think like Kittle's or sorry, Ertz is getting old, uh, you know, and 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 Godur is such a you know great talent and has a straight, uh, such athletic ability that he's going to take some some touches away from Ertz.
0: Yeah, he definitely doesn't go dirt cheap. If you get my (laughs) drift, but but like seriously, I really do like I really do like Dallas Goddard, man. Like the guy. There's there's guys who fall in that bucket, whether it's Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, all these guys fall in this bucket of yards per run and all these advanced metrics you can follow. And Dallas Goddard's very much falling in that bucket, so he's definitely somebody I'm targeting for sure. Especially because I'm usually looking to platoon my tight ends or wait on tight ends or whatever. So he's definitely a guy I'm looking at as my tight end, too, a lot of times in drafts.
1: Mm -hmm. And especially, would you say, especially for uh, best ball drafts?
0: Yeah, totally. That's what I mean. Like, That's one of the biggest differences I find in redrafted best ball is in best ball, I'm totally fine going with a platoon of, say, Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard because you've compensated other positions. And then in redraft, if I get past, say, the uh, Austin Hooper range, I'm much more likely to just wait and uh, stream the position, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Alright, so let's move right into uh, to number four. Um, I think another popular pick, especially on Twitter lately, has been O.J.
2: Howard. Who do you guys have? We have O.J. Howard. Alright. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that guy's a, a <laughs> no. natural freak, super freak, man. That guy's so good. So good. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, though, with Bruce Arians, I don't remember a really spectacular tight end when he was with the Cardinals. You know, Larry Fitzgerald kind of ate up that middle of the field and then they had David Johnson, too. So, you guys worry at all uh, that the offense might change a lot? I know the last couple of years with Dirt Cutter, they've been using the tight ends quite a bit with Cameron Braid and OJ Howard. So uh, does that worry you guys having them so high ranked? Ty's actually got
3: me rising on Howard lately. Um, he was telling me about all the targets that are available in Tampa Bay. And I think it's a little bit overblown about Bruce Arians not using the tight end. He's going to use the weapons that are available to him. And those wide receivers are going to get so much attention that OJ Howard is going to eat. He only had like 34 receptions last year, and he had almost 600 yards and pretty decent touchdown total. So I think it's only up from there. What if you put him at 50 50 receptions? He's gonna be easily a top top ten, potentially top five tight end.
1: Yeah, I like what what Arians is gonna do, um but I think that's a great point, Steve. Um, you know, looking back to to the Cardinals, because I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. Was it was like Jermaine Gresham was there for a that little bit, really. Yeah. yeah, you know, there there wasn't really um, a really viable fantasy viable tight end. Um, but I think when you look at a talent like OJ Howard, even though you're not historically using your tight end a lot, um, I don't know how you could go into the offense and not use someone like that. Especially when you have two guys like OJ Howard and Cameron Braid there, um, both can catch the ball, both can run. I, I definitely both can block. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I I could see it and, and again, going back to what I said earlier with how volatile the position was last year um, outside of that top three, I think that's where we start to see a lot of variability in the rankings. And someone like OJ Howard just kind of makes sense there, especially right now, um, because I think we'll start to see um, a lot of guys that in a way it's a little bit of a a shot in the dark, you know, where they're going to finish. And I think any one of these guys that are coming up next uh, could, You know, you could interchange either of them. You know, and then and the difference in the points between them all are probably going to be only I don't know a couple dozen or something.
2: Yeah, I think he's such a mismatch too for defenses. You know, if he gets matched up on a linebacker and or a safety for for that for that example, Um, and I I, like you guys said with Bruce Arians, he's just such a talented offensive coordinator. He's just going to use the talent that he has, and I don't know how you can't use a talent like that. You know, um, with all his schemes and whatnot. So. I mean, I definitely understand why we have him at four. And I agree with both. You know, I just, I'm a little nervous about it because I haven't seen it. But just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So I like that.
0: Yeah. And in those 13 years that Bruce Arians has graced us with his presence as either head coach or offensive coordinator, his best tight end was Heath Miller, who finished as mm-hmm. tight end seven, nine, and 15. Mm-hmm. Those other 13 years, there's nine tight ends in that group. The only two that anybody would recognize is maybe Kobe Fleener. And you mentioned Jermaine Gresham. And Kobe mm-hmm. Flinger is more memorable for his hair than anything.
2: <laughs> yeah. And Heath Miller, uh, he was a great tight end, but he's nowhere near the talent that OJ Howard is.
0: No, yeah. totally.
2: He, yeah, Except OJ like might that.
0: be as talented of a blocker as Heath was.
2: <laughs> exactly. Heath! <laughs> so let's go now to uh, number five. Who do you guys have for number five?
0: Yeah, at number five, we got one of those three tight ends you're going to have to choose between. We got Hunter Henry at five.
1: Yeah, this is uh to be honest. Um, even though I shouldn't like Chargers players, I am super high on Hunter Henry this year, and I've been able, especially with his ADP, I've been able to get him super late, especially uh, in dynasty startups that were going on in in like June and April and May. I, I I'm totally down to ride with him as my tight end one because I think I'm, I'm expecting really big things from him this year, especially with no Antonio Gates there anymore. Yeah, I'm probably in one of those drafts with you, Tommy. Possibly. Is that the uh, gong show?
2: (laughs) Probably, quite possibly. You guys not worried about his ACL at all coming back? I I will say the only thing that I am kind of happy about that ACL injury is that it happened so early last year that it's almost like what two years almost since it's happened. Yeah. So I mean that's a good recovery. Came back late last year. Obviously didn't do much, but you guys not worried about that at all?
0: Yeah. I'm not too worried about it. you mentioned he did come back and he graced the field last year in the playoffs. So I'm not too worried about it, but I think the easiest argument for Hunter Henry is that it's so much easier to argue efficiency, uh, when it comes to Hunter Henry, as opposed to the next guy on the list, you know what I'm saying? Whereas there's players on this list who might out target Hunter Henry, but he's going to see some pretty high leverage targets. I think.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Phillip got got lots of a tight on outside for me too. Yep. Exactly.
0: But I, I, I do think it's interesting that him and Mike Williams are both going in a similar range where there's only a little over 60 vacated targets gone with Tyrell Williams last year. So it might be at the expense of a Mike Williams breakout, but I actually would kind of side with Hunter Henry over Mike Williams in that uh, argument. Don't,
2: who don't do you think it's more touch Who do you think gets more touchdowns this year, Mike Williams or Hunter Henry? Yeah, who do you think? Red zone, the red zone. Yeah.
0: Yeah, see, that's yeah. what I'm saying. They
2: both look like tight guys, ends. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is what us degenerates who scour ADP have to decide. Like, we really don't know because of how, you know, the variance of touchdowns from year to year. But when you look at the proclivity that Phillip Rivers has had to target his tight end in the red zone, I know it was with an all-time great. But I really do like the talent with Hunter Henry, the rapport he's had with Phillip Rivers, and we've seen him have those uh, high variance touchdown seasons already in his young career. And so I'm definitely willing to just jump on the Hunter Henry bandwagon for sure.
2: So you said Mike, Henry more touchdown. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I think I did. And you know what? Mike Williams might have equal health concerns. He's had back and neck issues in the past, too. Yep. So he's not out of the woods either.
1: I don't know. I mean, I could still see them both gain 10 touchdowns. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah, me Ooh. too, man.
2: <laughs> you, you also have Tommy. You also have not going to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you're high on the Chargers. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know about the Super Bowl. I mean, but... I, I just—they got I, a good I, roster. I think if you follow roster.
1: the podcast, if you follow me on Twitter uh, at the podcast handle or my own personal handle, you know I love Ty. Uh, you know I love Mike Williams. Uh, all about Mikey Dubs this year. Uh, I think I just said on a on a, a poll question that I would take uh, Mike Williams in a 20, 21st for Amari Cooper in a second, and yeah, I would definitely do that because I'm all about Mike Williams this year. But I think they both can do well, and and I think it's a great point, Ty. Uh, about the vacated targets, that there's not that many to go around with Tyrell being gone. Um, but I also don't unless think Keenan's going to get them all. was unless that?
0: Malvin, unless Melvin Gordon holds out, right?
1: Yeah, but I also don't think Melvin Gordon's going to hold out. I mean, no, I, I, I I thought, you know, we we talked about it last year with Le'Veon Bell, and, and you know, I kind of called that in week five that Le'Veon was going to hold out the whole year. And I just don't feel like it's the same situation because um, I think at the very least they're going to franchise tag him, you know, and, I, and and that was the main difference with Le'Veon is that he got franchise tag three times, you know, and then held out the whole time. But I don't know. I think they're going to pay the man. They need to win this championship and they need that guy to do it. Well, I yeah. think two things. I
2: think Melvin Gordon would be uh, okay for him to sit out a year because of his injury history. Like I, if anyone, I would understand it would be for him. You know, Le'Veon Bell really didn't have that much of an injury history. So Melvin Gordon has been like a broken man for the last, you know, whatever years he's been in the league. But also they got to take advantage of Philip Rivers. He's definitely getting older. You know, Mm -hmm. he maybe has one, two years left. He's still playing at a pretty high level. So, yeah, they got to pay Melvin Gordon because they need him. I mean, the guy's definitely an elite back in the NFL. Yeah, and
0: that's all cyclical, too. Like, you're right, man. Tommy, that defense is so strong. They can really ride that defense to the Super Bowl, in my opinion, if they have to. And that'll be on the backs of low average depth of targets, which go to tight ends and big, giant wide receivers. So I'm kind of with you on the double breakout.
2: (laughs) Yep, that's what I'm predicting. All right, guys. Let's go to the next one. Uh, ranking number six, um, we have the two-on-one has um, Evan Ingram at number six. What about you guys?
3: Big surprise. We have Evan Ingram as well.
1: All
2: right. I feel like all these guys are all kind of interchangeable. Maybe like five through seven. Yeah. I feel like if you you know what they all kind of they all kind of have some faults and some red flags, but you know they're all kind of in the same area. I think.
3: I think this tier has a lot of uncertainty, and you you know it's oj howard hunter henry evan ingram so many questions so many different questions for each guy mm-hmm. you got to take whoever you feel most comfortable on your roster at a good value in the draft
1: right yeah definitely and i think all, all those guys i mean a lot of high upside and that's what i was kind of talking about earlier was like after the top three i mean th- these guys just kind of make sense right it's almost more upside they're still young um The offenses are are relatively good. I mean, in the case of Ingram, I mean, not so much, but, you know, with the news of uh, Sterling Shepard breaking his thumb, you know, there just might be a little more targets to go around to Evan Ingram. And, and this guy is, you know, definitely one that I want all the listeners uh, to keep an eye on uh, because we have a signed Evan Ingram jersey from Pristine Auction that we will be raffling off uh, sometime this season. So just make sure all you guys listening out there, watch out for when that uh, sweepstakes goes up on uh, Twitter.
2: Do you guys think Evan Ingram's uh, ranking, let's say, uh, Dan, uh, what is it, Daniel Jones, uh, the, the rookie quarterback beats out Eli Manning in, in the camp? Do you think his uh, stock goes down big time, or do you think it actually goes up? Because The tight end is obviously a uh, rookie quarterback's best friend. I think for me as an Eagles fan
3: watching them firsthand, it's more for me that I don't trust the Giants to make the right decision and let Daniel Jones <laughs> play.
2: Yeah.
3: I think they're going to ride Eli even if they're not winning. And I think Eli has some rapport with Evan Ingram, and he doesn't have a whole lot of other targets. I mean, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepherd are going to have low average depth of target. And they have some other guys like Corey Coleman who can stretch it a little bit deep. But I think that Evan Ingram can get open in some seams, or get open in the seam. And I think he can have a pretty good year based
2: on the Giants not managing the sixth overall pick very well. Yeah, I think it's just really crowded in that middle part of the field, though. Like you said, it's going to have to be seam routes up the field, you know, between the safeties or something like that. Cause I mean, they got no, like you said, Corey Coleman, uh, Corey Coleman is the only burner they have really. So it's going to be tough. And before we, before we got on the pod,
1: I, I checked with Polly sleepers about Cody Latimer, you know, and like, okay, cool. Something happened with Sterling Shepard. Should we, should we start to look out for Cody? And he's like, nah, not yet. You know, and, and there's someone else that's behind him. That might beat him out. So, you know, outside, of Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. I mean, Shepard definitely has the rapport with Eli, but so does Evan, you know. And I think almost more so uh, because Sterling Shepard was always number two, you know, with OBJ there, and and, and, Ster- and uh, Evan Ingram was was the man at tight end. So um, I'm actually pretty excited for what he can do this year. It's just again, he's you know a good guy on a on a bad offense. He was on pace to actually match his rookie year
3: last year, too, but he only played 11 games, so I think he can improve on last year for sure. Yeah, and by
0: improve, you know, you got to covet those third-year tight ends like we know. (laughs) And he's definitely – I don't think anyone should be surprised if he's the one that elevates himself, I had to say, as Zach Ertz into that elite tier Mm -hmm. next year. I don't think anybody will be surprised.
2: No, definitely.
0: But I think the argument definitely comes from, like you said, all the uh, targets in the middle of the field are kind of, you know, all – combining with a few players eating at it and more so it's just gonna be really hard when he gets down near the end zone to get those looks in the red zone with Saquon Barkley and Golden Tate and players like that there.
2: Yeah, definitely. So speaking of uh, eating up a lot of targets of what's our next guy, we kind of, it was hard for, for us to put him in this position, uh, ranking number seven, um, just because there's so many good players on this offense, uh, but David Ninjoku, uh, we have him ranked at number seven right now. What do you guys have at seven?
0: Yeah, we got David Njoku, too. I love David Njoku. And, you know, we just talked about third-year tight ends. He's the one who you should really watch out for because we used to love those really athletic, raw tight ends who we tell you will take a little bit of time, and that's Mm -hmm. exactly who David Njoku is. And you mentioned he's on a stellar offense now.
2: you worried about targets at all, though, with OBJ and Jarvis Landry? Then you have the running game, too. That's really good. Yeah, I'm not,
0: I'm not, not worried about targets, but
2: yeah.
0: like, you know, it definitely ties into best ball here where I might take somebody like an Austin Hooper or, you know, somebody who's definitely in line for a lot more targets uh, mm. ahead of him. Who's built into a little more uh, stability, but I, right. I, I just, there's so much upside with David and Joku and there's so much uh, that can go right in the way of high variance for him. And if even say Jarvis Landry or somebody was to get hurt on that offense, he could really, really have just massive value. And when it comes to the running game, I think if Duke Johnson was to be traded or something was to happen like that, maybe Hilliard shows out in camp and they're able to trade Duke Johnson. He could be really valuable early in the season.
2: My only apprehension with uh, David, and that's why we have him so uh, low in the rankings, cause like you said, he's a specimen of a tight end third year is I could easily see him have a game with, you know, two touchdowns, eight targets, 70 yards, or have a game with two targets, one catch for 20 yards. You know what I mean? I think that's the volatility, but that's the position as well. So at this point, we're just kind of going for more upside, I guess. It sucks that at that the ranking number seven, we're looking for just upside and not consistency. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's the way I feel about kind of these next couple tight ends that we're going to be talking about. Well,
1: and I feel like that's like the way it has to be right now with the tight ends, like the way they are. You know, like we're not filling out the rest of these guys after three, you know, with guys that are sure things. It's all upside at this point already, you know, and I think that's what makes the tight end position so hard. And again, going back to, you know, getting Kelsey early might be the play because, you know, when in fantasy where um, you're drafting players really uh, based on on scarcity, you know, and so when it's going to drop off so fast uh, after Ertz, yeah, there's a lot of potential there. But, you know, if you're going with consistency, if you're going for consistent guys every single week, you may want to think about a tight end early,
2: I think Ty said it best. I think if you don't get maybe the top three tight ends, then you just wait and get them later in the rounds or just stream the position at that point. You know what I mean? And just try to get as many running backs and wide receivers as you can. At least in the redraft, that's what I would do.
0: Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of team fade tight end. You know, it's mostly because it's a star one position that has the highest injury rates. It's the hardest predict week to week. It's just one of those positions. And also, I just read a couple of days ago that running back targets have just exploded over the last few years, and it's yeah. been, yeah, it's been entirely at the expense of tight ends. Mm-hmm. And as a position, their volumes just fallen off a cliff.
1: Yeah, I think it was Mike Tagliere who was saying it actually on on Jake Seely's podcast on All In Kit, uh, All In Sports. If, if you're going to be a, a running back one, what does he need? Like 60 catches, you know, to be a true running back one. Um, so, so those guys that are going to be RB ones are going to also get a lot of uh, catches, a lot of passes thrown their way. And, and I think you're right. It's at the expense of the tight end position.
2: All right, guys, why don't you get, give us your number eight ranked tight end. Yeah, we got Austin Hooper at
3: eight. I think he had 71 catches last year in that offense, and they're only going to get more pass heavy, in my opinion. So, I actually like Austin Hooper quite a bit. And I think 71 receptions could be reachable for him again with the offense shifting to Ridley and Julio, maybe a little bit less sinew and a little bit more or the same amount of Hooper.
2: Well, Dirk, Dirk Cutter is the new offense coordinator for the Falcons. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Yep. That's what I'm saying, man. I love Austin Hooper this year. <laughs> I think eight is. Uh, you know, it's a it's it's a good position because he still got Julio and Calvin Ridd, like you said. So it's a good ranking, but I wouldn't be mad, and I wouldn't I wouldn't even hesitate if you took if you put Austin Hooper at number six or five this year because I think that he's going to have a great year. He's a great tight end, nice size, and he can catch really well. So I like him a lot this year, and then he's got a good quarterback too that reads the field and and you know what Dirk Cutter did with tight ends in uh, Tampa Bay. So. Yeah, Steve, I think by the time by the time
1: uh, football season rolls around, we'll we'll have these rankings tweaked a little bit and, and I could definitely see him rising a little bit in our rankings.
2: All right, guys. So so far, 1 through 8, we've had had the exact same rankings. I'm hoping we can have some difference here. Uh for, for number 9, the 2 on 1, we had Kyle Rudolph from the Minnesota Vikings. What about you guys? Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, we're going to differ there. We got uh Jared Cook at 9. So you guys are oh, pretty wow. low on Jared Cook, okay? Eh?
1: Well, I mean, we're all Raider fans uh, for the two-on-one yeah. crew, so oh yeah, A yeah, little, you
2: know. little little, uh, little sour. Little yeah, bitter. you know, yeah. And,
1: but also I think um, I I think seeing how things went last year, uh, where guys like Jared Cook and Jalen Rashard were getting so many checkdown throws to them, uh, you know, we're being the safety blanket for Derek Carr. Um, I, I just don't see the same kind of volume going to Cook in New uh, New Orleans again because they have a lot of pass catchers. Uh, i mean not a ton i think a lot of back a lot of, back. of the yeah you know it all goes to to michael thomas and, and alvin kamara yeah. so yeah. I, I i think he's going to do well i just don't have that's that's why we don't have him as high you know what we're pretty
0: low on him too if you look around the industry he's definitely going higher than ninth overall a lot of people are championing him in that tier with evan ingram hunter henry and oj howard even and and i think he just nailed it there tommy like It is all going to Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. And that's especially true uh, in the red zone. And we know how heavily tight ends rely on touchdowns for their production. And 62% of the red zone targets last year went to either Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas in New Orleans. So Jared Cook's going to really have to shake that up to pay off his ADP this year.
2: Not to mention they have Taysom Hill, too, that they for some reason like to give the ball in the red zone, too. So, I mean, it's just too many mouths to feed in the red zone. And they use everybody which makes him a great offense, but it's bad for fantasy. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. and to touch on best ball, like he is the definition of a guy that is more valuable in best ball than in redraft. Like he has always carried that boomer bust uh, label with him his entire career.
2: So what do you think? Like maybe get like a Ertz in the first couple rounds or, and then get Jared cook, like maybe 10, 12 round or something like that. Yeah. I just don't think
0: he's going to be available there. I think even we are pretty low on him in our rankings.
2: Gotcha. Well, we have Cook at eleven in ours,
1: and and I think the one reason we have caught Rudolph a little bit higher is just because you know they brought him back and they gave you know there was all that possible rumors of of trading him because they got Irv Smith Jr., but you know they they decided to keep him around and give him an extension. And um, I, I like where the offense is going with their new offensive coordinator, um, and and how they're gonna balance it up a little bit more. You know, and not throw the ball hundred times to Diggs and Thielen, but. Uh, mix it up and run the ball of more Cook, and then I think Rudolph's going to have a little bit of a resurgence because I mean at the end of the day he finished as a tight end seven last year. So even though Crazy. again a volatile position, but even as bad as he was, he was still tight end seven. So um this is giving him a little bit of reg- a little bit of regression in rankings, but I think he's actually going to have a little bit of a better year. But I think the tight end position all around is going to be a little bit better this year than it was last year.
2: Couldn't have said it better, man. I I, I agree with you 100. percent. I think that's why. We're a little bit higher on Kyle. He had I think he had an off year last year. I think it was a weird year. And to your point, they paid him, they brought him back, so they're obviously going to use him in the offense. And I think uh Kirk Cousins needs to go back to the tight end, you know, when he was really successful mm-hmm. in Washington it was cuz he used Jordan Reed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I know Rudolph's not the athlete that Jordan Reed is, but he's a really good tight end. So, I think he's definitely going to have a bounce back year this year. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see that Kyle Rudolph actually had the
3: third most Uh, routes run from the slot last year but for us I think it's more that we think that Dalvin Cook and Herb Smith are going to eat into his workload a little bit this year and I think for me and I think Kirk Cousins is going to really really heavily target those receivers so I'm kind of fading Kyle Rudolph as somebody that sure they signed him but they didn't draft Herb for nothing so I think it's going to shift a little bit.
1: So where do you guys have him ranked have uh, Kyle Rudolph ranked? We, we haven't got seventeen. Oh, go wow. ahead, Kyle. You guys are low on him.
0: Yeah, I'll give you a quick stat. I, the reason I'm super low on Kyle Rudolph is mainly his work inside the ten. And number one, Minnesota does throw the ball quite a bit compared to other teams inside the ten yard line. But they threw the ball eight times to all three of Diggs, Thielen, and Rudolph last year inside the ten yard line. And Diggs took away six receptions for five touchdowns. Thielen had five receptions for four touchdowns, and Rudolph had two receptions. And he did turn those both into touchdowns, but Either defenses were keying on him heavily after his really strong 2017 season, or Rudolph may be breaking down. I'm not sure.
2: I also think that a little bit different so this year is obviously they got a new uh, offensive coordinator and um, the head coach in Minnesota. I'm drawing a blank real quick. Help me out, guys. Mike Zimmer. Uh, Mike Zimmer. Zim. He's old school, man. He wants to play defense. He wants to run the ball. And with playing old school, you throw to the tight end. So the new uh, offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, I think it is, the last name. I don't know. Maybe they're going to change it up a little bit and and maybe not throw so much of the receivers and kind of feed the tight ends a little bit more this year. So we'll see. But I definitely agree with you guys about them, uh, Irv Smith, kind of eating into his production as well, though.
0: And you know what, man? That's why you come on pods and do this kind of crowdsourcing thought process stuff is because we definitely do look way too low on him. And, you know, you mentioned the old school philosophy. One of the old school thoughts is however weak your offensive line is, feed that tight end. And yeah. that could really be the case in Minnesota, like it has been in the past year.
1: All right. Well, let's uh let's wrap up the top ten. The guy that got a hell of a lot of touchdowns last year, Eric Ebron, is our top ten tight end. What about you guys? Ditto. There you
2: oh wow. There you go. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I so think
1: still, I think we switch
0: up one in the top ten for fun there with Jared Cook.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, right?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> I I know I know he's not going to get as many touchdowns as he did last year, and and touchdowns are the hardest thing to project for each year. Uh, but that that Colts offense is just looking on fire, and I am expecting big things from the Colts. Uh, Andrew Lux, our number one ranked uh, quarterback right now, and Ooh. and I just think you know. Ebron's still going to do well. I, I think he's, uh, he's a little bit more athletic than Jack Doyle, even though Jack Doyle's good. I just think Jack Doyle gets hurt too much, and, and Ebron was a great target for, for Angela coming back, especially later on in the season.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the arguments we made for David Njoku, just you could copy and paste to Eric Ebron. Like, the guy's in a super good offense. He's going to get a lot of work in the red zone, and you touched on uh, Jack Doyle's health, and we should definitely mention uh, Mo Alley-Cox, right?
2: Oh, All right. Uh,
0: <laughs> But Jack Doyle, you're right. He's he's never shown that he can stay healthy. He's killed me two years in a row in best balls. And, you know, he's even working back some weight that he has to put on. And that's not a great sign this late in the offseason right now. So Eric Ebron might be a guy who actually moves up my list a little bit here in the offseason.
1: Ty, is uh, Eric Ebron someone you would target with Jack Doyle to get in the best ball to kind of have both of them? Is it worth getting two tight ends on the same team? Uh, we talked about Ertz and Godur earlier. But is, is, is Ebron and, and Doyle someone that you might want to target?
0: It actually definitely worked out for me last year putting uh, Ebron and Doyle on the same teams. But this year I'm a little more apprehensive just because it's a little more expensive to do so this year, number one. And number two, I'm just not entirely certain that I want any Jack Doyle this year. I'd, uh, I'd, I'm would i always going to be a year early on people than a year late, just f- philosophically, which gets into best ball philosophy it's going to be a move that you're much more likely to do if you want three tight ends on your team. If you want only two tight ends on your team, you obviously can't do that, right? right. So if you spend high capital <laughs> from the tight end, you're much less likely to want to add uh, both Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle, obviously.
2: All right, guys, so let's uh, move into uh, a different discussion real quick. Obviously, staying on tight ends. Let's go uh, old guys versus young guys. Uh, I wanted to start off talking about the Iowa boys, um, the tight ends, uh, Hawkinson and Fant. What do you guys expect from them this year? Um, Obviously, the Lions haven't been known to use the tight end very much. So, I mean, I really don't know what to expect, to be honest with you. And then Noah Fant playing for the Broncos this year um, with Joe Flacco, seeing how he would do. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, the Iowa boys are definitely a fun one to pick apart. I mean, they're going to be close in my rankings in almost any format, whether it's dynasty, redraft, ball, anything. It's kind of funny. Uh, Hawkinson, I, I have some concerns in the sense that, number one, it has nothing to do with Brendan Pettigrew or Eric Ebron. <laughs> it's more that offense he's in is going to be extremely run-heavy with offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel coming in. It's going to be, in my opinion, a pretty ugly transplant Seahawks offense. So he might be left in a block a lot. But the other side of that coin is definitely that Daryl Bevel used Jimmy Graham so heavily in Seattle. So it, I just think yeah. Hawkins is a really hard one for me to decipher right now. And I definitely, uh, he's a guy I want to study a lot more and see in action in preseason.
2: Or do you have him ranked?
0: See, I've, I've Hawkinson really low in redraft. We have him at 29th because okay. outside of basically outside of Evan Ingram and uh, Jeremy Shockey. We've never really seen top 12 rookie tight ends. And if it, and if they have performed as, you know, even top 15 rookie tight ends, it's because of them being the only show in town, basically. Right. And, and that's just a really hard uh, outcome to predict.
3: I actually have Hawkinson at the same spot as you guys. I have him at 20 in my personal rankings, and I just think that there is some opportunity there, being that Detroit, I think they only had 12% market share for tight ends last year, so I could see that going up. And again, like Ty said, Daryl Bevel likes to use the tight end, and I think Jimmy Graham got over 20% target share one of the years with Bevel.
0: Yeah, he led the league in red zone targets and red zone touchdowns and red zone catches one of those years. But what I'm saying is that all those targets are going to go to the people who are... Commanding them, And that's going to be Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. yeah, but with Golden Tate being gone, I think that's going to open up the middle a little bit. So I think that'll open the tight end position uh, so that, you know, it's not going to be as crowded there. And I think they're trying to save Matthew Stafford, too. They're going to try to run the ball a lot more. So that's going to be a lot more maybe play action. And that definitely is a, an advantage for a tight end. And Hawkinson's blocking means he's not coming off the field either. So he's going to be out there a lot. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. Yeah, and that's important, guys. When you're drafting players, um, you just want opportunities, you know, and, and sometimes they're going to block, but sometimes they're going to go out for route. So the more they're on the field, it's obviously a more valuable fantasy football player.
1: So what about Fant? We have Fant at uh, 22. Um, I think I see your rankings are a little bit much lower. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, we have Fant. Uh, we have Noah Fant right below TJ Hawkinson at 30 overall. So basically undraftable for us. But, you know, I recognize the talent these players have. I, I no joke think Noah Fan has like Travis Kelsey upside when it comes to career arc, but it's really just the offenses these guys are in, uh, the weapons that are surrounding them and the run heavy proclivity those two offenses have. And I think it's no different for Noah Fant and Denver. I just think no matter how Accurate Joe Flacco is targeting his tight ends. I just think they're gonna run the ball a ton in Denver with uh Vic Fangio coming in as head coach, they're definitely gonna control the clock with that defense.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, right, like uh t- a rookie tight ends, like you were saying earlier, Ty, just don't really produce their rookie year. The I think uh the tight end position takes the longest to to mature um to, to fantasy viable status. But you know, when it comes down to opportunity and getting on the field, I mean. I feel like these two guys could break that mold that we've seen, you know, with with Titans not doing much rookie year, and but at the same time, you know, um, even tempering that, you know, where they're not going to be necessarily amazing, but I think still do a little bit better just because they're they're great talents and and a great opportunity, and, and that's like Steve said, that's that's all about fantasy is is finding those opportunities and the guys that are going to get the ball.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I'm almost just playing devil's advocate with how low I am on these guys. They can, you know, they have nowhere to go but up in my rankings. And Dynasty would, this definitely doesn't reflect my feelings on these guys in Dynasty at all.
2: Yeah. 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 Definitely. All right. So let's flip the coin now. Let's go to old guys. I'm gonna, What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four guys, um, and I want you to pick, you know, just rank them real quick for me one through four um, who you think is going to have the better season. And then, uh, so the first guy, I'll give you Delaney Walker, Jimmy Graham. Greg Olson, I'm going to give you a little weird one. Jason Witten coming back out of retirement from Monday Night Football. What do you guys think?
3: For me, it's Graham, Walker, Olson, Witten. I think Jimmy Graham's still going to get some targets. He got 90 targets last year, and he ran a ton from the slot. So I think there's some of that that could still come, and Jimmy Graham could produce another season
1: in the top 10 if he has some things go right. Uh, No uh, concern about uh, Jace there getting the dropping the rookie to be behind him?
3: Not yet. Not yet. I think Jimmy Graham is being paid a lot and they're going to want to try and get some return on that investment. And I don't think Sternberg is going to be quite there just yet. And I don't think he's the dynamic receiver that Jimmy Graham can be, or has shown us that he can be.
1: Yeah. I feel like we've just been since he left Seattle uh, that we're just waiting for him to return to those Seattle days. And uh, I know a few people that I've been dyno leagues with that are, definitely super high on Jimmy Graham this year and trying to buy as many shares as they can. Uh, so I could definitely see the bounce back and the uh, the progression for, for this year.
0: Yeah. And I think it's funny. We look at those guys going in that tier where uh, Hunter Henry, OJ Howard, and Evan Ingram are going. Those used to be, you know, Jordan Reed, Jimmy Graham, all those guys, they were always kind of yeah. the 20 to 30 year old tight end. So I just want to touch on the fact that the younger guys that are going in this range that we used to see these older guys go in is really refreshing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, that's partly why I think this position is going to be a little bit better this year. And, you know, we've had good years in the past with the tight end position uh, in the NFL. Uh, I just feel like everyone started keying in on, on Gronkowski and, 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 you know, and Kelsey and players like that where uh, we saw some regression, a lot of regression uh, last year. Um, but the NFL kind of bounces back and forth a little bit. And I think this is could be a good year because there's so many of those younger guys coming in. And then you have a lot of these older guys that, barring injury are still really good talents. They're still really good for fantasy, Um, especially Delaney Walker. I mean, he's always been the number one uh, pass catching option on the Titans. And we know Mariota loves him. And so as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a really good bounce back year.
0: Yeah, Delaney Walker is one of my favorite players in the whole league. He's just incredible. He's so athletic. He runs all his routes out of the slot pretty much. And he's definitely number one on that list for me out of those four players.
2: What do you guys think of uh, Mark Andrews? uh i don't know we haven't touched on him yet um what do you guys have him ranked at because i've heard a, yeah, lot of, have, a lot of buzz about him
0: yeah we have mark andrews rounding out our tight end ones we have him at 12 overall so i guess we're definitely yeah. on the hype dream.
1: yeah i feel like we're a little bit lower on him um and i'm not really sure why <laughs> but and i know a lot of people probably are quarterback. probably yeah, yeah probably because of lamar jackson um and, and I think he's just a little unproven. I think there's a lot of upside there. I think there's a lot of talent and a lot of potential. And I think that's why I have him a little bit lower now um, is because he's just a little bit more unproven than some of the guys that I, we decided to put ahead of him. Like those old guys, uh, because, you know, we've seen what they can produce on the field and, and Mark Andrews has that, that potential. Um, we just need him to see that through and, and, and do it.
0: We talked about rookie tight end production there and Mark Andrews had over 550 yards. He had the fifth most uh, yards by a rookie tight end in the last 10 years. He also led the Ravens in receiving in Lamar Jackson's eight starts.
2: And one last guy I wanted to talk about, Jordan Reed. I know he's kind of coming at the end of his career, but is he even draftable now with a rookie quarterback?
3: He's a bit of a gross sleeper for me, to be honest with you. I think if he can stay healthy, he is probably one of the more talented receivers on that entire team. Um, right. Huge questions with the quarterback, though. Huge questions with his health. So, like I
1: said, he's a bit of a gross sleeper. Yeah, Steve loves Jordan Reed, just so you I got know. You know. I
2: think it's the name, man. I don't <laughs> know that. You gotta be careful with that sometimes, drafting, man. You just remember these names, and you think of of past years you know and and i don't know i i might i might take a flyer on i'm not gonna lie
0: <laughs> oh dude and i think the league's been chasing a jordan reed forever you look at you know uh gerald everett just all these players who get drafted at 260 pounds like everybody's just chasing this guy he's that he's just an incredible talent
1: yeah and then going back to steve's earlier question about jason went i could see it oh, you, you know awesome. i could see him coming back and doing pretty well i mean if he's gonna stay in shape but you know i don't know if uh I think Camp is just opening up for the the Cowboys tomorrow, possibly, and you know we'll see if he shows up and he's doing well and playing and and can stay healthy. But um, I, I I'm definitely not targeting him uh, in any sort of redraft leagues. Maybe late late in Dynasty or or Best Ball, but yeah, you know uh, Ty, would would you consider Jason Wynn in a Best Ball type draft? See, so you know what I would
0: do is if I have absolutely uh, blown it at the tight end position, I'm in the double digits, say my tight end one is Mike Gasicki, for example, and I know I'm just screwed. What I might do at that point is definitely add Blake Jarwin and Jason Witten as my last two picks for sure. Yeah. And then locking up that tight end position. But, you know, it touches on I'd much rather be doing that with a Greg Olson or Ian Thomas or even the Houston tight end group or the New England tight end group, right?
1: I mean, the, there, there's only one other guy that's not on either of our lists that I know other people are super high on, or not super high on, but um, in the Scott Fishbowl, Bobby Sylvester took him as his tight end one, and that was Jeff Swain. Bobby Sylvester
2: put butter on his pizza, bro. Yeah, he's a little crazy. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't have any notes on Swaim, so unless you guys do, um...
0: I'll, I'll touch on Swaim really quick. I like Swaim out of Jacksonville, right? Yep. So basically, when uh, he signed, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's their tight end." When for the time being, and the quotes are pretty interesting. He said he he signed there because wants to target the tight end, and he wants targets. So you know, it's the only thing I have to offer is purely narrative. But I'm 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 monitoring if he's playing ahead of Josh Oliver, the rookie tight end that everyone's kind of uh, looking out for. Uh, definitely, I'm going to be monitoring through preseason for sure.
3: As an Eagles fan, for me, I keep an eye on what Dallas is doing, and I think Swain flashed some talent for sure. It's just a matter of opportunity, and it seems like he went to a place where he thinks he's going to get that.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yale
0: played the great time prospect Enrico Gathers in Dallas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're right too with uh, with Nick Foles uh, using him a little bit a little bit more in Jacksonville. Um, and all, then then how he was used in Dallas and then also just you know the pass catchers in Jacksonville not being that amazing I mean the same guys are still there and you know we're all hoping Marquise Lee can turn back into what we hoped he was and you know you have DD there and um, Keelan Cole yeah. so you know all all decent players but I mean none of them I don't think are ranked anything higher than what like wide receiver three or four um, so I see the opportunity there for Jeff Swain but I think in my mind, uh, in my eyes, he's a little bit more of a sleeper at this point. and And someone maybe to keep your eye on, on the waiver wire, uh, especially for a redraft when you don't have that super deep roster.
0: Totally. Him and Will Disley. Super sleepers. Yeah, Will
1: Disley. I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm super high on Gusecki. Um, I have him as a, a tight end one or two uh, in a couple of my dynasty leagues where, where uh, you know, I faded tight ends till late. Um, saw him get that one-handed catch today in uh, – in mini in a training camp you know and so you know it was training camp so it, he has to be a tight end one now at this point because you know amazing catch in training camp just means everything right uh, i it went from six to
0: midnight for me because we actually we, <laughs> <laughs> we have ranked in the same spot we both have him at 19 i'm really high on gosicki too he's definitely one of my favorite best ball targets and he's definitely the last guy i'm happy being my tight end too while still staying in a two tight end team
1: yeah yeah and then you know and then the last guy i think that's worth just mentioning really quick um only because he was a bit of a big disappointment last year uh in chicago was trey burton um i have him at 18 or we have him at 18 and i'm trying to see where you guys have him i was at 23 so neither of us uh you know neither of our crews are, are high on trey burton but um is he someone Again, you know, thinking about best ball where you're trying to take a little bit more of a flyer or you're, or you're willing to take a little bit more of a flyer on a player, you know, at the right ADP. Or are you even considering Burton or is he just on a don't draft list at this point? Yeah, I'm definitely willing to
0: take a flyer on pretty much everybody other than him. I mean, <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. <Yeah.
0: laughs> you talk about Jordan Reed, man, this is the kind of profile player that teams are chasing. In my opinion, he's a guy who can not only get outplayed by Adam Shaheen, but. They also had a historically low tight end market share, meaning they gave almost no targets to their tight end last year, which was pretty strange seeing as how that day came from Travis Kelsey. So I just have a lot of concerns, and in best ball especially, I'm never looking to take a player who has any risk of losing his job, especially if they're going in, say, the 10th to 12th. All
2: right, so let's just uh, wrap it up the show a little bit uh, here. And uh, Ty, why don't you give us some more uh, best ball strategies on – kind of what the difference is between a uh, redraft, which most people do uh, and best ball. Yeah. That's how give us some free nuggets.
0: Free nuggets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, best ball is a lot that goes into it because of how unique the format is really. Uh, so obviously we're definitely factoring in bye weeks That's one of the obvious ones. Uh, we should definitely be thinking in best ball more along the lines of team balance and roster construction though. You're really thinking about best ball as team building. You want elite players at the front of your position groups. And then we're going to fill out, with players who have big, big upside, and of course, those boomer busters who are always, quote unquote, more valuable in best
1: well, you know, so, you know, we we're talking best ball drafts uh, strategy throughout this uh, discussion of tight end rankings. But, you know, for for the listeners, you know, we want to make sure we have some takeaways uh, for, you know, so you could actually use use this pod to help you pr- get prepared for your fantasy football drafts, especially for best ball. You know, so I think uh, some of our takeaways from this one is, you know, our, our top three are pretty much set. I think that's across the industry so far that we have a consensus consensus top three with Kelsey Kittle and Ertz and whatever order you decide to put them in. I think those are the top three guys. And uh, because they're top three, and there's such a drop off after that tier uh, in certain formats, especially in tight end premium leagues, um, or even just in regular redraft, you might want to consider grabbing someone like Kelsey Kittle, or it's or pretty early, and then getting your tight end two somewhere later uh, with some of the you know newer guys coming into their second or third year, and then you know don't sleep on some of the older guys. I think they still have some value, especially in redraft with Walker Graham, Olson, and and yeah, maybe even Jason Witten. And, uh, and like Ty was saying, you know, when you're constructing your roster on a best ball draft, uh, you want to go for those elite guys and then you want to target some of those flyers a little bit later rounds and, and get a mixture of, uh, what did you say, Ty? It was elite and, uh,
0: oh, you just want to mix in elite guys at the front of your roster with all position groups in best ball and then fill out those rosters with a lot of upside and boom bust players later.
1: So, this is the one format, right, for best ball where, you know, and, and our other mini pod we talked with Bob Long uh, and talking about consistency, you know, and for a lot of your drafts, you want to get those consistent players. But when you're going for best ball, that's definitely when you can go for the boomer bust and get those guys that aren't going to score those consistent points every single week, but are going to put up those big points to help you get that big best ball championship. Exactly, because boom bust players is kind of misused, but it also
0: means these are the players you're going to see the highest variance. Like, this is where those outlier touchdown seasons come from. This is where unexpected career arcs come from. Think of Robbie Anderson and Philip Lindsay, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that does it uh, for today's show. We want to thank the guys from the True uh, North Fantasy Football Podcast uh, for coming on with us today. Uh, why don't you guys give them a little info about your show? We actually just put our first
3: podcast out. It came this morning and I put that out today. Me and Ty have been working hard on it. We've got our next episode planned. We've got some quick hitter podcasts. You can check out the site at truenorthffb.com. On Twitter, we're at truenorthffb. My Twitter is at tseal14 and Ty's Twitter is at
2: tnfftyrell. Thanks a lot, guys. And then as always, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Two on One, FFB podcast, and you can reach me as well on my personal Twitter at fb savant seventy seventy five and the commish Tommy Mo.
1: And I'm at Timo fifty two underscore.
2: All right, guys, look out for our next podcast dropping out soon. Thanks, guys. See you. Peace. That boy. Red Boy.